David Shoebridge, good morning to you, mate. Yeah, good day, Marcus. How are things? Yeah, good. Nice to talk to you. Before we get on to some parliamentary business, and I know there are some committees coming up, but there's a story this morning um, that the Premier <coughs> intervened in the assessments of a $5.5 million grant to a shooting association in Daryl Maguire's electorate just months after he had written to her asking for assistance to fund the project. I've got a copy here of the letters and the emails. These new documents released to Parliament after requests from yourself raise fresh questions about the Premier's role in facilitating this grant that Mr Maguire stood to gain a political benefit from. Yeah, these documents um, really troubled me because, I mean, putting to one side the Premier's involvement and you know, the Premier's been repeatedly saying that um, I can't ask no questions about this and that uh, minimising the Premier's involvement. What, what these documents show is right to the very end, we had communications, I think it was from the second most senior um, bureaucrat in the Department of um, Regional New South Wales, yeah. um, saying just letting the Premier know she wanted to be kept in the loop, it's just about to be approved. Um, but, but perhaps even more fundamental than that, is this, this went off to get a business case assessment. This is $5.5 million of public money. If, if you remember, they upsized it um, at the request of the someone in, in the government, some minister mm. in the government, yeah. upsized it from a $4 million grant to a $5.5 million grant, even though the organisation only wanted $4 million. No one can quite explain how that happened. But anyhow, it, it, it went off to get a business case approved, and the business case came back, and it said it didn't stack up. For every dollar spent on it, you'd get less than a dollar in return, is what the the business case said. And of course, because this was always a political project, it was never about the merits, um, efforts were then made um, uh, through, through, um, I think, the Deputy Premier's um, um, department to do everything they could to rework all the assumptions, rework all the numbers, and then magically they come up with a revised business case that finally gets it over the line and bang, the money flows. You know, it's just... It's just so obviously politicised. It's so handing out public money for a mm. political purpose, not where it's got merit. Well, what did Gladys Berejiklian have to do with this? She was apparently the treasurer at the time, is that right? Well, she was the treasurer throughout um, the bulk of the assessment process. But then um, when she's been given the further information at the end, you know, just letting you know, keeping you in the loop, by that stage she was the Premier and technically had no role. But... When the project came up for the um, for the for the basic sign off by the elect by the, the sort of the, the three member committee that signs off on all of the big um, expenditure projects, the expenditure review committee, at the time it was signed off by that, um, she was the treasurer and therefore she was chairing the expenditure review committee. And we can't find any evidence of any kind of conflict of interest um, document being, um, being, being provided. Uh, well, well, should, should one have been provided, considering the Premier was uh, in a relationship with Daryl Maguire at this stage? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that people would expect that to be the case. This was Daryl Maguire's pet project. He'd been pushing this since 2005, um, you know, and when it was finally announced, he was crowing about it. what an amazing job he'd done down in Wagga and what, what an achievement he'd got getting this $5.5 million for the electorate. And, and, um, and of course, if you're in a close personal relationship with somebody and you're approving a project that's their pet personal project, of course you should declare it. I, I don't, don't think there's any question about that, is there? No. Oh, well, I agree. <laughs> I agree. All right, well, let's just move on. You've got uh, a few other issues on the boil this week. Uh, tell me about those. 
Yeah, well, we've got two hearings um, of the COVID oversight inquiry. Um, as your listeners may or may not remember, Parliament has been adjourned until the 7th of September because of COVID. It's just not safe to bring everyone together. Yeah. Um, and um, and but, but we need to have scrutiny of the government in the, in the meantime. The first hearing will be tomorrow, um, where we'll have the Health Minister and uh, Kerry Chant, mm-hmm. um, followed by some epidemiologists. That'll start from 12.30. It'll be broadcast live. Um, uh, all online, obviously. Yep. Um, and then the following day on Wednesday, we're going to have the education minister and senior bureaucrats and then the Catholic education system, the independent education system, and then the two key unions. And then really what we're focusing on on Wednesday is that complete mess that we've seen about the proposal to get um, um, HSC kids back in Greater Sydney. If you remember... The original plan was to have everyone back <laughs> on the 16th of August well, after half eight. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Well, I think, Marcus, what really gets me about that is it was never going to happen. Uh, as soon as it was announced, it became apparent that you couldn't get the vaccines out, that even if people, students were vaccinated, they'd only have one shot and they wouldn't be protected. There yeah. was never a plan to, to roll it out for teachers. And basically it was a political statement that was potentially putting at risk teachers and students' lives in a major, major pandemic outbreak. The, the union said that from day one. We said that from day one. And all of those HSC students have already got so much stress on their on their plate, so much uncertainty and anxiety, have all been thrown into this muddle um, for what seemed to me pretty, pretty political purposes to, to try and be seen to be doing something. Will this at least provide, I know it's a, an oversight committee, if you like, but it, will this at least provide some sort of, uh, well, accountability and scrutiny as to why the decisions have been made uh, by uh, by the New South Wales government, considering, you know, we, we, we don't, we haven't seen the health advice. Will, will you be in these committees asking for the state government to provide the health advice on, you know, which was the basis of the decisions for lockdowns and the rest of it? Yeah, that, that's the first order of business tomorrow. And in fact, we have been saying to the government um, through the committee, produce us all the documents, show us the written health advice, show us the advice you got about and, and show us, you know, what the advice you had, particularly about the very slow um, introduction of the lockdown. Because if you remember, there was the better part of 10 days from the first community transmission until we eventually saw a citywide lockdown, in the middle of which was the state budget being delivered. Yeah. Um, and um, no lockdown. And then by the time we eventually get a citywide lockdown, there were already fragments, I think, in 12 different <coughs> um, sewage treatment fragments just all over the place. Um, so obviously we want to see what on earth the advice was, the health advice was that the government had in that phrase, because we need to be satisfied that they're doing what they're saying, that they're following the public health advice. And we're yet to see any of that ever having been tabled. All right. What do you make of this idea? Sydney uh, suburbs that do not have COVID-19 cases circulating within the community will be the first to be freed from some lockdown restrictions next month if we reach our target of providing six million jabs? Well, if there is coherent, (coughs) well-modelled public health advice that shows that's safe and can be done without the risk of things being spread, well, then absolutely. But what we don't want to do is go through two months of lockdown and then have another thought bubble that doesn't have um, public health advice behind it and then find ourselves back at square one again. So 
you know, again, it goes to show how if the government wants the community's trust, they want the parliament's trust. And, you know, we want to be a loyal opposition here. We want to make sure we're all on the same page. We're getting to the same outcome. But if you want the community's trust, you want the parliament's trust, table all the advice. Show us what the advice is. Show us what the modelling is Mm -hmm. in real time so as we can be, you know, going down the same path with trust. At the moment, we haven't seen any written advice from the chief health officer. I've seen a one-page letter um, about the, the parliament. But... You know, how is it we're not seeing any written advice from the health authorities or, or the key modelling from New South Wales Health? What power does this oversight committee have in demanding these sorts of documents? Well, the parliament has given the committees the power to demand the documents. OK. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously we want to treat that very carefully because sure. we want to make sure all of the net essential resources are out there fighting the pandemic. But yes. uh, that can't mean that, you know, you can't find four or five bureaucrats to go and find these key documents and pass them through to Parliament. I mean, that is a very reasonable request in the middle of a pandemic when everybody's doing everything we can to share the health messaging, share the, um, um, you know, share the, the common goal, but that we can't have scrutiny die um, um, in the middle of this crisis. We, we need it. So, yes, we can... And, in fact, we've, we've issued that order to the government to compel the production of documents. And... Um, there's, it'd be fair to say, I'm trying to think of a polite term, there's an ongoing dialogue, Marcus. All right. Good to have you on, David. We will talk uh, probably a little later this week on, on all of these as, uh, as more details, uh, hopefully, uh, are provided. Thank you, mate. Cheers, Marcus. Bye. There is David Shoebridge. Uh, look, he's doing a good job, almost single-handedly, if you like, in keeping the state government accountable. Uh, look, to be honest, Mark Latham's also in there as well. Uh, But what we do need to see, hopefully, finally, is the medical advice that's being provided to the Premier. Okay, uh, we're we're in this lockdown situation. Uh, We've got restrictions in place here, there and everywhere. Why? I'm not saying we shouldn't, but we should be able to be able to scrutinise what the health advice has been in order to get to this place. 13, 12, 69, and we're only, we can only hope that this oversight committee in Parliament will see that forthcoming.